This is X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network. Welcome back here to X's and Bros, Michigan Sports Network. Danny Kahala, Ryan Elke, Anthony Bellino all joining you. Joining us now from the Detroit Lions. Find his work there at DetroitLions.com. Our good friend Mike O'Hara. Find him on Twitter at Mike O'Hara NFL. Mr. O'Hara, my friend, good morning to you. Long time no talk. How are you? How's life? How are things? How's your offseason been? Uh, my offseason's been pretty good, and here I am. Breakfast with Tony. What more could you want out of life? Uh, I'm telling you, I mean, this is going to be the pinnacle of the day, right? I mean, this is as good as it gets here at 7:35 uh, in the morning on this Thursday. You know, uh, Mike, it was a, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Twitter was a little bit of buzz. I think fans were a little bit confused trying to figure out why exactly, you know, with Ben Johnson coming back, all the positive momentum that this uh, Detroit Lions team has. We get the news yesterday that Deuce Staley will uh, will leave and uh, head to Carolina to take a position on Frank Raff, uh, Reich's staff there uh, for the Panthers. This loss of Deuce Staley, was this something that the Lions staff was aware was a, was a possibility that could be happening? Can you give us the background and kind of the, the, the info and the intel on what went into this? Well, you don't really know, you know because it's, these things, until they happen, you know, they, they keep it pretty, you know, pretty quiet and... But they have a, you know, they have a, a background together. Frank Reich and 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 Deuce do. They were on the, on the Philadelphia staff together for a couple of years, and I can only assume, and I don't know this for sure, but I can only assume that this is probably a, a promotion for Deuce from what he's doing here in Detroit. Maybe some play calling responsibilities, things like that. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure Deuce has, like a lot of other guys, has aspirations of becoming a head coach someday, and this might be a step in that direction to. You know, further, you know, uh, uh, further improve his, you know, his background and, and what he's done, and and and, and be ta- you know, he really we haven't heard of him being interviewed for a head coaching job. This might help him in that regard. Now there was a report out. I believe it was Justin Rogers who was reporting that you know Deuce's mother uh, is not in the in the best uh, shape. So we wish her and and the family, of course, uh, all the best. But you know, she lives in South Carolina. This obviously puts him closer. Uh, to that situation as well. Well, one thing about Deuce, I mean, he's a good guy. I mean, look, he's a he's a you know he's a pro football player from you know head to toe, and just you know, he just he just exudes uh, confidence and and desire and everything you want. And and, and and first of all, in a player as a running back, with probably predominantly with the, with the Eagles, just a, he had four or five or six hundred yard seasons. Or, I'm sorry, thousand yard seasons, and. You know, he we would do his his weekly a, a press briefing with us. It was just, you know, it was just it was fun to fun to listen to him. It was informative to listen to him. And in that regard, we'll miss him, but but we'll see what they have in in mind to replace him. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, you know, who who are some names that you have you have seen or or have heard that might be potential replacements for this uh, running back coaching position? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't really heard yet, uh, Tony. Really not. That's that stuff will will come come down the pike sooner or later. Is it um, is now a good time for this kind of this kind of change as as we get closer and closer? You know, the Senior Bowl, East West Shrine Game. We got the draft right around the corner. Is now a good time uh, to have uh, to have a departure here, at least to give you a little bit of time to to kind of fill that fill that void there. No, absolutely. You don't want these things to happen like in the middle of May or June or on the eve of training camp or whatever. You want if you're going to have to make changes. You want to have you know as much time as you as you can to to do that. And I'm sure that, that Dan Campbell will be working you know, working on this at, 
probably as early as today. With Ben Johnson uh, returning, obviously uh, people were were up in arms, right? I mean, they loved it; they couldn't believe it. You know, there was I, it was like it was like a it was a, some sort of celebration. It was like the second coming of Christ. They're like, he's back! Oh, look at this! But the offense, I mean, hey, look, Jared Goff was playing really well. He and Jared seem to have a great relationship. Jared has said as much that you know Ben Johnson's been as instrumental to him in his career as any of any coach that he has ever had. Uh, they obviously they they get along together very very well. Ben Johnson shut down the conversations of other teams uh, trying to uh, inquire about employing him. What did that said? What what did that say to you? You've been around this team long enough, uh, Mike. Where to have this kind of feeling in an off season where there is so much excitement surrounding this organization to have a coach come back and maybe put aside some of his own uh, personal dreams or desires and say, you know what, I'm not even going to pick up the phone. I'm sticking with the Lions. we got unfinished business. What does that say to you? Well, I think that number one is that, that what you just said, he's, he's, he's got a good role here, a good good position here that can only get better. I mean, look, his first, his first game as the official offensive coordinator last year was against the uh, against the Eagles, Lions lose 38-35, and, and they were off and running offensively. I mean, it was just it was just a completely different team than what we'd seen, at least at the start of the previous season. But then, and you know, they closed stronger. Obviously, after Dan Campbell took over play calling midway through, I and mean, everybody knows the you know, chronology of that. But but one thing about it, and and, and uh, Jared Goff talked about this. You know, they he and and uh, Ben Ben Johnson. Spent a lot of time together in the off season, and the one thing that that Jared Goff said, "Look, I'm an experienced quarterback. I think this is his seventh year now. He wanted to at least have some input, just have some say. So he he's not trying to run the operation, but he wanted, you know, he wanted to have just at least some input into it. And then Ben gave that to him. And I think probably the look, there's no one thing in, in building an offense that's that you know you do that, and of course everything is fine. There's there's so many components into it." You know, it's really there's really a lot that you have to cover. But the one of the things that that uh, Jared talked about was that he really wanted like play action, and he said they were really good at it in Los Angeles. Well, I think that was one of the strengths of that offense last season. You know, the 2022 season was their ability to you know use play action to their benefit, and that's look the, the results are what they are. They had a thousand yard rusher in Jamal Williams. Uh, Jared, you know, twenty-nine touchdown passes, only seven interceptions, and I think if, I think this is I think this is accurate. But the last nine nine games of the regular season without a turnover, so w- what they were doing was working. Now they weren't averaging, you know, thirty points a game or whatever it was like they were for the first first four games, but they were effective. That was that, that even in games they lost. That was an exciting, fun team to watch and and and, and productive offensively. And you know, I think they got. I think they got what they hoped for and more from that combination of, of the quarterback and the offensive coordinator because it just seemed to me that they were on the same wavelength. It's, uh, and, and when you have that sort of feeling between you know between the coordinator and the, and the quarterback, it really does help you with the things you want to do. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was fourth and one against the Jets. They went play action and hit uh, hit Brock Wright on that 51 yard catch and catch and run for the uh, the go ahead touchdown there against the Jets. It, I mean, we we saw it a lot. It worked a lot, and and thank God that it did. So on the defensive side of the football, as Ben Johnson returns for his unfinished business, we love that here. 
Uh, Aaron Glenn's a serious candidate. Now, you mentioned that you know that, uh, that early season game, uh, the home opener against the Philadelphia Eagles, where in, in really the first half of the season, where it felt like once the team pulled in uh, to the parking lot, that you could put 20 on the board right away. <laughs> they make an adjustment, uh, Michael O'Hara, and all of a sudden, Aaron Glenn, uh, he just takes things over, and this, this defense uh, becomes what I think a lot of people had hoped that it would in the second half of the season. That opponent's points per game, that started to drop like a rock. They were getting to the pressure and it wasn't just Aiden Hutchinson it was guys like James Houston uh and, and Josh Paschal John Kaminsky and so on and so forth they were they were pressuring the quarterback they were tackling well uh the the secondary was was covering very well giving those guys up front a little bit more time to be able to get to the QB and we know how these things work in sync what in your mind was really that keystone difference that we saw from the first half of the season to the second half of the season that now has Aaron Glenn, once again, a serious candidate for a couple of coaching jobs, namely Arizona and Indianapolis. Yeah, I think probably what you mentioned was the pressure they were getting on the quarterback, but not just the quarterback, but they were being disruptive up front. Look, if if you can't control the line of scrimmage defensively, it's really, really hard to win. It really is. I think the Lions did that as, as, as they went along. Now, look, they had some breakdowns. You know, uh, week 15, game 16 against Carolina, where they gave, what, 320 yards on the ground. I think that's a tape that you want to bury. I don't think you want to spend a lot of time looking at that one if you're a you know, player or a coach. But but by and large, the last eight, nine games, they they got better and better. And you mentioned some of the young guys who, you know, who I don't know if you really could have counted on them at the start of the season, uh, especially Houston, you know, sixth round draft that came out and had, what, eight? eight sacks in six games or something like that. that that's, that's what they started to do. And I thought, like you mentioned, tackling better. Even veterans like Alex Anzalone, a linebacker, you know, had you know, like an okay first season here in Detroit a year ago, but last year really an effective player for the Lions, put us in a leadership role. And both of you know, sort of running, you know, running the defense on the field. So I, I think a lot of things went into it. And there's still work to, work to be done, I would think, predominantly – and you'll see in free agency in the upcoming draft. I think you'll see the Detroit Lions, you know, try to add some strength up front on on, on the defensive line, and then in the secondary, where I think obviously they need some help there too. Couple of uh, you know, a little bit more on the coaching side of things. The Lions did hire a tight ends coach and Steve Hyden. What is it, what exactly does that mean then for Tanner Ingstrand? Uh, I'm not sure about that. We'll, we'll we'll have to see if there's a reassignment or, or whatever. I got, you know, that's one of those uh, to be determined and to be announced. I see. I I would have thought that Dan Campbell ta- called you ahead of time and, and wanted to go over some things, Mike. You know, you're not on the speed dial there. I, I told him, quit bothering me. I got other things to do. <laughs> the off season. The guy just wants to have a cocktail and put his feet in the sand. And you guys are bothering him all this all this coaching news here. So as we look forward to the NFL draft here, Mike. You know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of fan speculation, and you know how the fans are. They're gonna they're gonna uh, unsheathe their swords, and they're gonna go toe to toe over who's a great pick and who's not a great pick. And if we all had a crystal ball, none of us would be sitting here doing this, right? We'd all be in a front office somewhere. But what is the largest priority that you believe that the Lions need to address in that first round if their picks stay where they're at at number six and number eighteen? Uh what I just said, a secondary, and then just a good defensive tackle, a guy who can, you know, wreak a little havoc up front. Now I don't, you know, they're not going to get, you know, the guy from uh, from Georgia, but there's some other candidates out there. 
and it really is. There's really a a a, 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 low, a, a deep uh, deep pool of, of defensive backs here. The guy I really like out of out of Oregon, uh, Christian Gonzalez, for I mean, for a lot of reasons, not just because he's David Blau's brother-in-law, but uh, you know he's a guy six two. He's got a wingspan. He had four interceptions, and he can really really cover some ground. You know, other people don't have him that strong. But in my first uh, mock draft a week and a half ago, I had him going to the Lions at, 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 at number six. But we'll see. The nice thing about putting out your first mock draft, you got two more to go, and so I can uh, it can change my mind. But I, I think you're, I think you're going to see some trades in the first, you know, one through nine up there. You know, all the way down to Carolina at nine, trying to trying to make a uh, make a trade to move up and get a get a quarterback. And, you know, I can see in this, unlike last year, Tony, when what the first quarterback went off in the mid twenties, I think you're going to see in the, in the in the first nine picks, three, four, maybe even five quarterbacks go off the board. Wow. When when do you believe that the uh, Lions take a quarterback? Is this a team that could sit back into you know you know later, maybe third, maybe fourth round, depending on who's there, draft a guy, get him into the system uh, to you know start to develop him and kind of secure that backup role. Well, I'm glad you asked me that because just in general, I want to go back to when Jared Goff arrived here, and I, I heard people, you know, even sports talk shows, and I'm not knocking anybody. It's everybody has their opinion, but an awful lot of people said, "Well, the best thing that can happen is that Jared Goff fails, so the Lions can go out and draft a quarterback." No, the best thing that can happen is that he doesn't fail; that he's a good quarterback, and you can use your draft picks and your and, your, and, and free agent money. On other positions, and I think that's what's happened. And I still hear people saying, "Well, no, that we need to draft a quarterback first in the first round." No, you don't. This guy's in the Pro Bowl. The statistics speak for themselves, and he's only you know just turned twenty-eight years old. You can have this guy. He's not going to be Tom Brady, but you can have this guy for another ten, twelve years. I mean, that's that that position is locked down, barring you know barring a, a, a an injury. So I think you're you're good there. If I'm the Lions, I start looking for a quarterback, you know, late second round, maybe their second second round pick, maybe their third round pick, or maybe later. But but certainly they have their starting quarterback, but they really do need, and I think this has been neglected too long, they do need, do need a quality backup quarterback, somebody who really has maybe potential, you know, starting uh, ability to start eventually, but, but certainly an upgrade over what they've had recently. Thank you, Mike. I could hug you right now. I want you to know that. When, whenever you're walking around, just imagine me today just clinging, clutching your leg for saying that right now because these, these people are driving me nuts. I try to be the voice of reason, Mike. That's what I am. I'm out here speaking rationally to these people, and I said, look, if you have a guy that can play the position, the goal of the front office now is, hey, this, and, and play it well enough, right? And his, I thought Brad Holmes tipped his hand a little bit saying you can get a whole, you get a lot worse at quarterback. than It's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. Right. I thought that that should have been the flare in the sky to everybody pipe down about this quarterback in the first round. But build the rest of your roster. We see Jalen Hurts walk into a good situation as a young rookie quarterback and be able to have some success in year one and year two. We've seen San Francisco trot out 74 quarterbacks this year and all of them be halfway decent because they have a good team built around them. It's so important to be able to use your draft capital, your free agency money, to be able to bolster your roster so that eventually when you do need a quarterback, you can bring a young man into a situation in which he can be successful and you're not sticking somebody behind the eight ball right away. I don't know why that's so hard for everybody to understand. 
Well, you know, it's like the quarterback and the goalie and the and the and the, and the relief pitcher. You know, the closer in baseball. Those are the those are the positions that people, everybody knows that they can they can they can change those and they can find better than what your whatever where, wherever you are what your team has. But no, I just look. I just think that Jared Goff has proven himself to some degree. I think he's got more to go. It really does. And one thing about him, he's never going to be the most. You know. Uh, uh, it's not going to be. He's not going to do anything with his legs, really. Not much, anyway. But that's not his style. And a lot of quarterbacks, uh, most if anybody noticed that Tom Brady had gotten through their careers without being runners. I think. And one thing about about uh, Jared Goff, uh, uh, Tony, and you know, in, in his closeout press conference, you know, the day after the regular season ended, I just asked him a very simple question. I said, Jared, what what does it mean to you that you're in a place where you're appreciated? And he just stopped, thought for a second. He said, and he said how much it meant to him. And he said, because it hasn't always been that way in other places. So I think he has a connection here to the Detroit Lions. The Lions have a connection to him. And look, there's more to it than just feeling good about how you're treated. No, and I get it. It's a production business, but but I think the Lions have something in, in this quarterback who has now going to his third Pro Bowl in seven years. He is but Michael. Three Hero. Pro Bowls in seven years. Okay, three. Three of them. Not one, not two, not three. You feel like LeBron James up there on stage. And it's, it's great for Jared Goff, and I'm, I'm happy for him, and I'm yep. happy that it's, it's worked out uh, to this extent to where now he, if, if there is a way for this team to make that next step, and it's not easy in the NFL. Anything can change at any moment. We know this league means not for long. It's not a guarantee that they're going to go to the playoffs because of some of the success that they had this year. But if there is a way that he can get into the playoffs and they can win a game, he will cement his legacy for the fans here in the Motor City. Mike O'Hara, find him on Twitter, at Mike O'Hara NFL. We appreciate you so much. Thanks for waking up with us this morning, my friend. Let's touch base soon. Sounds good, Tony. Thanks for having me. There he goes. That's Mike O'Hara. Love that guy. Love that guy. I just want him, I want him to have the visualization when he walks around, walks around his house today that I'm, I'm clutching his leg. NBA fans. It's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hands with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports city partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5, win $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code HUGE, promo code H-U-G-E only at DraftKings. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, wants help, needs help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline, 800-270-7117. plus bonus issued as free bets, eligibility in terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Hour three is next. X's and Bros, Michigan Sports Network.